okay. Um, Billy Graham said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. <laughs> so I, I have a whole group of them. Maybe I'll read more of them as we go through. But as we, um, as we think about our, you know, it's, it's hard for people to have a concept of our eternal father because we often think of our eternal father in the ways that we picture our earthly father. And we may have been blessed with an earthly father. We may not even have an earthly father, but we, you know, biologically. But that there, there are people in our society that have not had the presence of a good father or a father image. So we have, we have difficulty in somehow looking to think that God, our father, is someone that we can trust or someone that um, um, will be there for us because of the absence of an earthly father. Well, the, the truth about it is that there may be some characteristics of our earthly father that kind of transfer to our heavenly father, but for the most part, um, our heavenly father is much different. Our heavenly father is uh, always encouraging and always there and never abandons. And, you know, it's an, it's an eternal per, per, um, perspective, not a few-year perspective of growing up or having problems and separation and all those types of things. So we have to learn what our, what our heavenly father is. And uh, we cannot transfer those thoughts from uh, who our earthly father is to our heavenly father because they, are, they don't even come close, even if we've had the best of earthly fathers. So the title of the message today is Always on His Mind. It's not Willie Nelson's song, Always on My Mind. <laughs> For those of you who listen to Willie Nelson, you know, that sounds like a Willie Nelson song. <laughs> no, don't worry, I'm not putting in... Jose is not going to play Willie Nelson, <laughs> you know, always on my mind. I mean, he's not going to do that. But the, what's that? No country in this church. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What you talking about, boy? <laughs> uh, but anyhow, there, the. I think of Rachel went out whenever she went out to Missouri. The first thing she heard, you know, it's always there's a lot of country stations, and she said, "I can't stand this country music." And by the time she graduated, that's all she listened to, you know. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Miracles do happen. Yeah. I like the thing. If you listen to country music backwards, the guy gets his wife back, he gets his dog back, and his truck runs. You know. <laughs> so. I don't know, something like that. But, um, but this, the, the, what we're looking at today is always on his mind, all right? So when God is, <laughs> when we have a hard time understanding how that everything, every one of us individually can have God's undivided attention, and not only us in this room, but all Christians around the world, all people around the world, all the people that have ever lived, all the people that will ever live, God knows them all. And that he is that much aware of each individual. And he is, and, and that each of us is this, as it were, the only person in, on God's mind. Is it where we are the most important person in the mind of God? Each one of us. See, we have this, um, <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know if you, in your family, if there's more than one sibling, but uh, uh, there's always the favorite. <laughs> I'm, God's, I'm God's favorite. No, I'm my, I'm my mother's favorite. I've told you that, and my brothers agree. And uh, it's because I deserve it. And, uh, <laughs> but as we think about God, we are his favorite child. You know, and, you know, people always, you know, people have said, well, God answers your prayers because you're a preacher, you know. Well, God answers all of our prayers because we're his child. Our status is the same. Our status is the same with God, all of us. Now, if I brought, bought a present, wrapped it up, and took it to your house, and put it on in the middle of your, the floor of your living room or whatever, and I left it there with the sign, you know, to you, from me, and there it is, sets in the middle of the house. Now, it can be there, uh, sitting in the box, wrapped up, and, and right there, and, you know, everybody can see it. So you can call your neighbors and say, you know, I got a present here. <laughs> well, what is it? I don't know, but it's a present. And I'm really glad that he gave it to me. I really, I, I think it's going to be nice. And well, what is it? I don't know. I haven't opened it yet. Well, in our lives, God has deposited these things, but we have to open the present. It's, we can't make it any more ours or any less ours. It's there. It's, it's a gift. It's given. Now, we have to open it. Now, that's where our faith is, that God has given to us his undivided attention. He has saved us from our sins, and we have to understand what that present is, what that package represents, that we are saved, forgiven, that our... All the sins that we've ever committed are gone, washed away as if they never happened. And I like the, the, the few weeks ago we spoke about um, how that the word actually means that when God forgives us, all charges of those sins are gone. Not only are, are we declared innocent of those sins, but even the charge of those sins is gone. That, that's pretty miraculous, <laughs> Because in, in, in our life, in our way of thinking, we did it. <laughs> you know, we sinned, we did wrong. But God's forgiveness is so complete that even the charge of those sins is gone. So this is understanding the package. <laughs> this is understanding the giftings that God has given to us. And we're, we, are always, we are always on his mind is that he wants the best, God wants the best for our lives, and he puts the package right inside of our hearts right inside of our lives. We got the package, okay? Well, are we going to open it? <laughs> we have to learn, we have to use the package. And using the package is prayer, talking to God. You know, it's not, <laughs> well, one is, uh, oh, somewhere along in all this, there is this, um, sometimes we have the understanding that my problem is not big enough, God is too busy, I'm not important enough, or what I want what I, really doesn't matter. Those are lies. Those are lies. They are not in the package that's on the floor. <laughs> they are not in the package that is for your life and given to your life by Jesus Christ. He didn't give you a package and then say, well, it, it, <laughs> use, in, use only in uh, emergencies, you know. So we set it up on the shelf and don't, don't open it until we get, really get a bad place. Then we open it up. But the package that God has given us is in this salvation and in this relationship. Nothing is too small. 
Nothing is too big. Nothing is impossible with God. God is capable of moving mountains, and he's capable of building mountains. (laughs) He's capable of landscaping. (laughs) He's capable of, you know, anything. And it's, I mean, that's difficult. The package is right there. If I open it up and if I believe enough to ask, I have enough faith. For you see, the, 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 the scripture that I use in 2 Corinthians 4.17 to begin this, because um, we are always on his mind, one of the things that gets in our mind is that uh, our problems are too great. All right? Well, Paul tells the Corinthian church, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's the NIV. The message has it, I believe. This is the message. No, it isn't. This is the, uh, sorry, Jose, I don't have, what do you, have, what do you got up there? Oh, that's good. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. This whatever you're going through is small potatoes. (laughs) We have to get a perspective. This is nothing. Nothing compared to what we will have in Christ. Um, I, I always hesitate to use stories from, uh, personal ones, but, um, I encountered it. My brother died um, 39 years ago at the age of 42. And he died with colon cancer. And this, this week, I met an individual whose name is my brother's name, Gary. They're both the same name. And he, in his facial beard and all that, he looks like my brother. <laughs> and so as I am there with him and his family... I'm reminded of my brother's last day. And you think of, in in this person, their last days. Now, we look at this scripture, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Even in that place of, of life ending here, it is a light and momentary trouble. Now, you think of Paul whenever he was beaten with rods and drug out of the city for dead. This is a light and momentary, in the moment, trouble. You see, we have to look at things from a divine perspective. Our life here is a vapor. You know, you get up in the morning, you see the low valley fog or whatever, and the sun comes up and just goes away because the sun takes away the, the, the... the valley fog or the light fog that is over things. Well, the sun, of Je- the sun, Jesus Christ, shines into our life and it takes away the fog of where we are at. Because I recognize that the glory of what is coming far outweighs this light and momentar- momentary problem. Now, if anyone should have been upset with life, it should have been Paul, <laughs> you know, you know, he's trying to please God and, you know, he wants to go to Rome and, you know, he gets shipwrecked and bitten by a snake and, you know, beaten. And, you know, I mean, just all the things that could go wrong went wrong. You ever have one of those days? 
I know. So anyhow, uh, those, those who are watching, maybe you have a, well, I like that. Those of you who are watching at home, <laughs> that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, so I forgot where I was. Uh, <laughs> Paul's momentary troubles. Um, you know, we would, he, he wrote about this from the perspective of it's all okay. It's all okay, no matter what trouble we find ourselves in. This isn't it. Even the moment of us transitioning from this life to the next life, this isn't over. These are just momentary things that are preparing us for eternity. So what God is trying to, you know, God is our Father, and we want to learn about what our Father is like. So we need to recognize His Word is telling us that wherever you're at, don't make more out of where you're at than the God who holds you, the God who comforts you and gives you strength, who heals our body, who restores us. You see, nothing is too difficult, so this is only temporary. <laughs> Life is temporary. So compared to eternity, our troubles are nothing. Compared to eternity, our troubles aren't that great. Then, if we begin to thank God, remember the, the, the phrase that we used a couple weeks, a couple times now? that our, whenever we praise God, it's our faith working. Our faith is at work when we say, thank you, God, for you know, this, this difficulty that I'm in because I know that you'll give me wisdom, guidance, understanding. You'll get me through this. So I, that's just an extension of who I am. I am expecting things to be different. I'm expecting there to be... Um, I'm expecting there to be hope and fulfillment in all in what i do you see when you confess your trust and reliance on god that's when we're passing the test so when we're looking at this thing this light and momentary affliction we are confessing our trust and reliance in god because what i am facing is not that bad <laughs> you know it's not that bad why isn't it because god is with me and there's nothing that bad that can separate me from God. So, <laughs> the people who are foreign countries that are living on nothing and trusting and praying, they have to read this very same scripture, these light and momentary afflictions. They're nothing. People who are in prison for their faith, these light and momentary afflictions. <laughs> so, God is the one who writes faith on our hearts and then develops it to a completion. God is the one who has written his faith on our heart. Now, <laughs> we open our heart and we choose to speak God's word. We choose to allow God's word to be part of our vocabulary that God is going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. My God um, will uh, establish us. You're going in and you're you know, going out and coming in will be established. It will be firm. That God is going to open doors that you need open. He's going to close doors that, and paths that he doesn't want you to go down. God is going, he, so we have this faith. We have this understanding. Now, one of the things we have to do is we all have friends that are non-Christian. We all have, I, I think we all have acquaintances and people that we know that are just totally against God. And and that's good that we're friends with them, but it's bad if we spend too much time with them. <laughs> because 
they probably are influencing us and we're not influencing them, all right? It's a question. Now, if you can answer that as, I, um, I'm influencing them and it's not hurting my walk with God a bit, okay, then that's fine. But many times, I remember, remember the story or the illustration I used years ago. I'm not going to do it now because I'm frail and old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, stand up on a, uh, you stand up on a chair, I'd stand up on a chair, and I would have Brian or some little girl, somebody small, not Brian, I couldn't pick him up. But anyhow, I could have Brian on a chair. That's it. That's it. I got Brian on a chair, standing there, and one of, the, one of the little ladies come up, and he has to pick her up, and he has to struggle pulling her up. But <laughs> he gets in the right position. She can yank him down in a hurry. Cause, so it's easier to pull people down than it is to lift them up. And our responsibility is not to change people, but to give them the insight or give them the fragrance of the knowledge of God where they will want to step up to their faith. I don't have to lift them. God will do the lifting. I just have to do the presenting. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Uh, well, I got to go on. Today, the, the text that is the foundation for the scripture is in Psalm 139:17. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. That we are always on his mind. <laughs> What's the message? How precious to me are your thoughts. See, we need to, when I, when I think of what are the thoughts of God, when we think of God thinking of us, okay? When we think of God thinking of us, do you think we, we, we consider that very precious? <laughs> you know? Well, he's probably remembering, see, our concept of God with our earthly fathers, we get all entangled and stuff. If we've done something wrong, you know, as a good father, you're always trying to teach your, your son, teach your children, and all that kind of stuff. Well, God's probably trying to teach me something and I'm not learning. He's not, he's not happy with me. You know, all that kind of stuff. Well, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. We need to know what God is thinking. What is God thinking? You ever tell somebody when they make a mistake, you go, what were you thinking? <laughs> well, sometimes we think of God that way. He's up there saying, David, what were you thinking? <laughs> oh, I understand. You weren't thinking. That's why you did that. <laughs> but the truth is, God's thoughts about us should be as the psalmist says, they are vast and they are precious and we are always on his mind. Okay? We are always on his mind. So therefore, when I am going about life, I don't need to interrupt God. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, I don't mean to interrupt God. I know you're busy with the whole world, but, uh, you know, can you, uh, hey, can you take time on all the stuff going up? Can you hear me? <laughs> no, God is always hearing you. He hears our thoughts. He knows our thoughts and the intentions of our heart. He knows it all. So, Our difficulty in receiving God's blessing is because God has better things to do. God has something else on his mind. He's running the world. Why would he listen to me? 
Uh, or this problem or this situation isn't that important. It may be tempting to let your mind wander in that direction that I'm, be, I'm not good, not li- I'm, you know, problems. To s- Don't go there. That's not a precious thought. And that thought doesn't come from God. And that is not humility. Humility is guidance and strength under control. Meaning that we have the strength of God in us and it, an understanding where we are being guided to. I'm being guided to a place where God wants to bless me and bless the fruit of my, my labors and bless my life and bless those that I touch, bless those that I talk to. God is directing me in this path, in this place. So therefore, I need to get rid of my thoughts. Aren't my, my, my job is not that important. So you throw that out. That's not God. It's not. So, the truth is that nothing is more important to God than you. Nothing is more important to God than you. Now, that's not isolating ourselves and saying, I'm the only one. Every believer, every child, every person that God has created, you didn't choose God, he chose you. He chose you. Scripture says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. I've, kind of, I've given you the ordination to, to move on, to go on. So I've done this. I've, I've put this in your life. So we, he, we're always on his mind, and he's always planning, and he's always wanting the best for us. You know, some people scheme and, you know, try to, try to get in and, you know, try to make things work and, you know, sabotage. God is never sabotaging. God is always leading. So... You are important to him, and nothing that concerns you is too big, too small, too insignificant for God to touch and to undertake. So as we begin to replace the the negative thoughts with the truth, our life will begin to take on a different perspective because we will look at the light and momentary afflictions in the light of eternity and say, what is this is nothing. You know, in the scheme of all the worldwide things going on, God has this little thing in my life, and he can't touch this. God is touching this. But it's how that God will use the very thing that's important to you to touch your life, to have a domino effect that can reach around the world. (laughs) The... um, the book, it's called Tipping Point. And the, 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 um, the idea is that in our life, um, there are things that we do over and repetitively and repetitively, and uh, the, the illustration that it uses is hush puppy shoes, okay? You remember hush puppy shoes? Okay, you may all wear them well. There was a point years ago where they were going to just kind of fold up and go under, you know, and uh, there was this, you know, they were doing all their advertising and doing all this stuff, and they were going to cut out, I think maybe they were just going to cut out one line of shoes and that had always been their kind of their stable. And, you know, they were going to withdraw all their advertising. They were going to pull it all back. And one person in New York, a photographer or someone, created a billboard or created pictures and advertisement for their company and the person that was they were using to do the advertisement had those hush puppy shoes on and when that happened 
that line of shoes just exploded and they couldn't keep, keep up with the demand. Now, everything that they had done was important, but it was that picture that they didn't even do, that they didn't even market, changed their whole line for that one, one line of shoes. You see, in our life, we're doing all of the right things and we're doing all, we want to do the right things for the right reasons. And that we recognize for, by grace you have been saved through faith. We have, grace is God's unmerited favor. That by grace we've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So even, even our very relationship with God doesn't come because of how important we are. It comes to us by his grace giving to us. Now, every good thing that we do is a seed that is sown in the life of someone. Every good thing that we do in our society, in our work, in our, in our you know, friends and family, whatever, every good deed that we do is very, very important, and it will grow something. And sometimes it is the seed that will come back and we will reap a harvest, but God is the author of all of that is, that is good, and so we continue to look to him that even though we have sown the seed... God is at work behind the scenes, reaching that tipping point when it all comes together. When is the tipping point? Well, we don't really know. It may be as you go out around a corner and it comes together. May not be for 20 years, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. You see, we don't know when it's coming, but we know that it is coming. And what we have to do is in these light and momentary problems, don't get distracted from the tipping point. <laughs> Don't become distracted by things not working because failure, <laughs> those are just light and momentary afflictions. Difficult situations, they're just light and momentary. In light of eternity, this is nothing. In the light of the world scheme of the whole world in place, these little things that we go through, God is at work behind everything, in everything, and so we're looking for God in the present <laughs> that he has placed in the center of the room he wants us to open. That is the present, the gift, but it is also we need to recognize the present day moment is the gift that God has given to us and he wants us to open it. Because in that present is the ability to interpret what goes on in our life. Amen. <laughs> I like this one. Fathers carry pictures where their money used to be. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That was by Steve Martin. There's no little kids up here, so. There are three stages in a man's life. First, he believes in Santa Claus, then he doesn't believe in Santa Claus, and then he is Santa Claus. <laughs> I got these on the internet, so. Uh, 
Behind every great daughter is a truly amazing father. Sometimes the poorest man leaves his children the richest inheritance. You don't choose your family. They are God's gift to you. My father didn't do anything unusual. He only did what dads are supposed to do, be there. Um, an amazing uncle is like a glass of refreshing lemonade in a hot summer of life. Oh, does someone want to go get the kids? I forgot about that. Uh, go bring them up so we have our Father's Day thing. That's what I was waiting this for. I forgot to have them come up. <laughs> um, other things may change us, but we start and end with family. Uh, fatherhood is a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> so, as we think of the light and momentary afflictions, <laughs> as we think of the understanding that God, we are always on his mind, that there is nothing that is beyond his ability to bless. So, in everything, give thanks. It's our faith at work in the difficult places. It changes everything we see. It changes everything we do. God is at work in every situation. Now, the devil may bring it up. The devil may throw it in your path. It doesn't matter. We give thanks to God. God will, you know, God will, you know, create and, you know, cause the evil that was planned to just go by the wayside. You know, forgiving people is uh, letting go, uh, helping to let go of all the things that they would try to do to redirect our life from our anger or whatever. But as we forgive, we are directing our lives. See how important the principles of God are? How that our understanding of who God is, what is God thinking? <laughs> He's thinking that he loves you. He's thinking that he has a home for you in heaven. He's thinking that he has a path, a purpose for your life. He's thinking that you can, you are a marvelous work. You know, you are so unique, there's only one of you. You are so important that he would die for you. You are so important, you're the only person on his mind. You are so important that God loves you more than you could ever imagine and more than you will ever know until you stand face to face with him. <laughs> These are the things God has for us, so we need to think his thoughts. Amen? Father, I thank you. God, you have given us such a high example to follow. But Lord, you didn't expect us to do it on our own. God, you gave us your word, and you give us your Holy Spirit. You give us, Lord, your blessing. You give us wisdom and understanding. God, you give us a heart of compassion and concern. So thank you, Lord for touching our lives, that we can touch the lives of others. Amen.